you might assume that you no, know, because you're doing good work, it will get noticed, and therefore opportunities will present themselves, and you, or you will get promoted, or whatever it is that that you want as your next step. But that's not actually true. Welcome to another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel, and this is a podcast for the geospatial community. My guest on the show today is Thierry Gregorius. Thierry is a coach who specializes in the digital and geospatial sectors. And today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about all those things that nobody ever talks about in terms of their career and in terms of getting where they want to be in geospatial. Just before we get started today, I am looking for a sponsor. So there is a very limited number of slots available for podcast sponsorship, but if you're sitting out there and you think that this podcast might align with your business, your brand, your service, I would love to hear from you. You're more than welcome to contact me through our website, mapscaping.com, or send an email to info at mapscaping.com. Hi Thierry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk with me today, much appreciated. You're a geospatial coach. You work with people in the geospatial industry, and you help them get to where it is they're trying to go. And this is the thing I want to talk about today in the podcast with you. And I think before we jump into that, can you tell us how you got involved in coaching or what was the inspiration behind you becoming a coach and why focus on the geospatial industry? Yeah, sure. Hi, Daniel. So um, throughout my career, and I've been in geospatial all my career, all 25 years of it so far, I've always been interested primarily in learning and development. And whenever I was in leadership positions in, in large multinationals or smaller companies, what I was really into was helping my team grow, really. And, and also more recently, working as a consultant, whenever I go into client organizations, helping them with, with whatever they're dealing with, as a consultant, I always get almost more interested in the human side of things rather than the, the pure geospatial side of things. And out of that came an opportunity last year uh, in 2020. We don't need to explain what kind of year that was, but with my, my main employer, GTAC, where I currently work as a consultant in the energy industry, there was an opportunity for me like, to go down working three days a week, uh, which then left me two days a week to do, to do a freelance thing on the side. So it gave me the opportunity to qualify as a coach. So I'm now um, an executive coach. And I've been working as executive coach now in the geospatial industry for about a year. Absolutely enjoy that. Um, it's amazing being able to work with people one-to-one, which is not something you often get to do as a consultant. And also as a team leader, I've always, spent, I've always tried to work with people on a one-to-one basis. But of course, you always need to work with a wider team and wider organization. So this is really an opportunity now to work with people closely and, and help them with their specific issues you know, that they're facing and, and, and the challenges that they want to work on and help them find their true goals. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. Would you mind sort of explaining if there's any differences that we should be aware of between coaching and, and mentoring just before we, we sort of dive into the rest of the, of the episode? Yeah, sure. So indeed, there is a difference. So pure coaching is really helping you help yourself, basically. So as a coach, when I'm doing pure coaching, I'm basically just asking questions. And these questions are, are framed to help you clarify your own mind, to, to help you come up with your own solutions and ideas, which is really, really powerful because all the studies you now they show that if you help anyone generate their own ideas, their own solutions, you know, they're much more likely to implement them and, and they're much more likely to succeed at them. Whereas mentoring at least old school mentoring is more like advice giving. So it's not asking questions, but, but providing you with answers. 
And even though that can also be helpful, doesn't work as well as providing useful questions or, or you can do it together. You can provide a little bit of advice, but you should always also have some questions to help people frame you know, what's in their heads. So there's slight overlap. I mean, these days also, if, if you were to go on, on a course on how to be a true mentor, you wouldn't be taught just to give advice. You'd in fact, be, you'd be taught to work like a coach. So like that difference is, is slowly melting away. But I think quite a lot of people still confuse coaching with advice giving. And I always have to explain to my clients that I'm not here to give you advice. Having said that, now I've worked in geospatial for 25 years. If I've got useful information, I will share it with you at the appropriate point. But I will first want you to come up with your own solutions and, and ideas. I think that's really important for people to understand that that sort of difference there because if people listen to this and decide, hey, I'm into coaching or I'm into mentoring, I think it'd be really great you know, that they walk away from this with a good understanding of what those two things actually mean. So we, we talked a lot about geospatial there, and that's because you have this massive background in geospatial. We have a long career yourself within the industry. Is there any way of defining what a geospatial career is? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, it's not easy to define because geospatial is a hugely broad field and it, it, it goes across all industry sectors. But even more than that, you can actually go into a geospatial career for multiple routes. So you can start off doing a geospatial degree and then you're a geospatial specialist and then work in any industry being a geospatial specialist. Or you can be an expert in, in I don't know, in urban planning, or you can be an insurance analyst, or you can be a geologist, or you can be whatever, who also uses geospatial tools and skills. But you may not call yourself a geospatial person because your prime expertise is, is, is in another industry, which is actually what I work on with a lot of people as well, really to clarify who, who they see themselves as. Because it's important to know that in, in terms of you know, what your true goals are as well, also understanding what your strengths are, because you can't really plan your career until, until like, you know what your, your true goals and strengths are. So it's, it's highly complex in that sense because geospatial cuts across all industry sectors and you can enter a geospatial career from multiple ways, really. So, yeah. When you're working as a, a coach for people, is there any sort of common issues that these people are facing? It's an incredibly broad industry. Is there any sort of thing that, that connects these people in, in terms of the issues that they're facing? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And like you say, you know, the geospatial industry is very broad. So, I mean, the issues that they all have in common aren't actually necessarily related to geospatial, although the one bit about geospatial is because you have a lot of options of, of where you can go, the kinds of things you can do, the industries you can work in. Um, as a geospatial person, all these choices and options can be overwhelming if you don't know exactly what you want to do. But quite a lot of people I work with, you know, they really just want, want to start by working out you know, what they actually want, which isn't always as obvious as it may seem at first. And then once you've got a, a clear idea of what you want, then, then we'll work on so which steps you need to take you know, to, to arrive at that destination. You mentioned this yourself. Um, we have a lot of options in this in this industry. Can you talk to us about decision fatigue? Because I think this is something that a lot of people face when we're when we have a ton of options. There's a ton of possibilities. We we really want to pick the right one. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And also, it's not just in terms of how we want to chart out our job careers and all of that kind of thing. But even within our jobs, we have a lot of things we need to take care of. Especially, uh, I work with a lot of freelancers and entrepreneurs. 
and and when you're in charge of of your own small business you have to take hundreds of small small decisions all the time and in the process now it may be hard to see that what the important priorities really are so as a coach i work with people quite a lot to to look through all that noise and and just try try to distill what are your true priorities really what are the really important things you need to look at here and help help people with those things we're talking about how we get people to where they need to be where they want to be so first of all they need to understand what the goal is what about if they're not in control of that their own destiny so much you know what about if they're relying on getting noticed what about if they're assuming that if they're in the organization they're in if they do great work they'll get noticed uh, they will progress can we assume that these things will happen that these that will automatically reach our goals no actually so and that's interesting that uh, you mentioned that because um as you say quite rightly you might assume that you know because you're doing good work it will get noticed and therefore opportunities will present themselves and you or you will get promoted or whatever it is that that you want as your next step but that's not actually true i mean it is true to a point of course but more often than not you actually have to be very explicit about what you want so for example if you want a promotion or if you want a certain job as your next step you need to be explicit about that you need to talk with your boss about that you need to ask people what do i need to do to arrive here how can you help me how can i help you help me these kind of conversations actually need to be explicit. So either part, as part of the annual appraisal process or as, as part of uh, an individual learning plan. I've, I've worked with a number of people who were clearly doing really good work, but, but they hadn't really made it clear to anybody else where they want to move to, you know, which job they want as a next step. And, and, and then they were kind of surprised that it wasn't happening automatically. It sounds like a certain degree of self-marketing needs to happen here. And I could see a big hurdle in terms of marketing yourself, promoting yourself, telling people where you want to go is imposter syndrome. We doubt that we might be good enough to get there. And, and that's perhaps why we're waiting in the first place, why we're waiting for recognition. Do you have any advice for anyone who's waiting for recognition, who's perhaps suffering from imposter syndrome to help them get where they want to be? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's actually really widespread that we all have insecurities within ourselves. That's true for anybody. And, and the imposter syndrome is pretty common for those people who are unaware of what imposter syndrome is. It's basically when you feel you're a fraud, you feel like you're surrounded by people, they're all smarter than you. You, you don't really are in that league. No, you shouldn't really be here. And if you're in that situation, you really need to take a, a step you know, back and and have a look at actually the evidence of your achievements. You know? So as a coach, I'll, I spend a lot of time with people just going through the stuff that they've done, highlighting their own achievements to them, actually. Because you do take a lot for granted of what you do. And, and you may have strengths that you take for granted because it comes easy to you, but it doesn't come easy to anybody else. So that's also pretty common that we, we kind of overlook our own strengths. Yeah, so if if you're waiting to be recognized, but, but you kind of are afraid to put yourself out there because you feel a bit like an imposter, it's good to start with, with really reflecting on, on your past achievements, the things you've done. What does that mean in terms of the skills that you have? How does that make you unique? How does that help other people? And then having having gotten that clarity, 
it'll become a lot more obvious how you can then present yourself to others, how you can present your work, how you can market yourself as a person within your organization or outside the organization to external clients and so forth. So it's not going to happen overnight. It's, it's a bit of a process you have to go through to like increase your your own awareness of what you've actually done and, and your own strengths. So that's really one way of overcoming it. It's incredibly difficult to do something like that and be objective at the same time. Is there any way, like, should we be looking at our career path? Should I look back over the jobs or the positions I've ha- had in LinkedIn? Where can we find that trail map of, of where we've been? Do you have any sort of uh, tips for us around that? You could start by asking people who you trust, you know, whose judgment you trust. Uh, there could be friends, it could be people you work with, uh, could be people you've worked with in the past could be clients you've we've worked with, whoever, anybody that you can ask these questions who you feel you can trust and um, just ask them. You could say like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to rebuild my CV, really highlighting my own strengths, but I'm not quite sure what my strengths are or I'm not quite sure what my main achievements are. How do you see this? You know, how do you see this? Where do you see my development areas? These kind of questions. So if you work in a large organization, you probably have an appraisal process where kind of already inbuilt into the process where you do get feedback from other people. If you don't work in, in, in an organization like that, or if you haven't got a process like that, you can just choose the people to, to speak to you yourself. You will know who they are. You'll know who you can trust. And then um, if you want to go further, then you could work uh, with a an external professional coach like myself, but but in the first instance, that that, that may not even be required. You, know, you, you will get a lot of useful information just by talking to people you trust. What about if I'm running my own business? If I'm a freelancer, you know, it can be so so difficult to find people that you trust because your business is something very precious to you. You've put so much of your heart and soul into it that this is a big part of you. It's really difficult to open that up and say, "Hey, can you look at this and evaluate it for me?" So my question is kind of the same for the freelancer, for the small business owner. Is there something we can do there to help us understand how far we've come and sort of judge our progression? Yeah, you could kind of do the same thing. You could speak to people you trust or or if you are pretty much alone. And I do know quite a lot of freelancers and entrepreneurs, that they've, especially in the past year, know with what's been going on um, with coronavirus. You know, it's been pretty isolating for a number of people. So. But to those people, I would recommend that they join a, a, a kind of entrepreneurial community. You know, they are all over the place. Uh, in, so you can choose a local one or you can choose an online one, uh, whatever field it is you work in. It doesn't have to be a geospatial entrepreneurial community. Like in, in the UK, uh, there's a geospatial one called Geovation, for example. Um, you could join them. In other countries, you'll have others. But like I say, it doesn't have to be a geospatial one. But it is really important to have relationships and, and to nurture those relationships. And out of those conversations will automatically you know, come new inspiration. Um, you will meet people that you can have these conversations with where you can exchange these kind of idea, ideas. You can exchange experiences of what you've done in each other's freelancing businesses or entrepreneurial businesses. And, um, and yes, yeah, so you, you can then create like uh, this picture of yourself through feedback that you get through through these kind of relationships as well. So at the start of this conversation, we talked about how broad the geospatial industry is. Should we feel stuck here? I mean, there's 
sometimes you, if you went to university like I did, for example, I spent five years at university learning geography, and a big part of that was geospatial. The big part of that was the technical side of, of geospatial. And I felt almost like I was not trapped in it, but like committed to a certain path. Have you worked with people that have felt like that and then moved away? Yeah, or the other way around, uh, and who want to enter the geospatial field from a from like a, for example, an IT developer wants to enter the geospatial field as well. So yeah, I mean, you can as geospatial people will have a huge number of transferable skills, which can also apply in in other industries. So as a geospatial person, uh, you could go into IT, or you could go into end user domains like environmental planning or or whatever it is, I mean, there's loads of things you can do. You can you can go into insurance, you can go into transport, you can go into, I mean, it's just a huge list of things you could do. So it's not really the issue that, that you haven't got the right skills. It's more the issue that with those skills that you've developed as a geospatial person, there's loads of different things you can do. So you, you need to clarify and prioritize what it really is that you want to do, which really goes back to what we talked about earlier about starting with where do you want to go really so during my career i've had a few ups and downs and sometimes i've spent way too much time thinking about the sunk costs you know i spent two years building up this professional capital for example working for for one particular company but i i simply wasn't happy there and it was a really difficult mindset to break out of that i can pivot i can go to something else i can try something else i found myself being sort of stuck yeah feeling stuck I was stuck feeling stuck, if that makes sense. And it was really, really difficult to break out of that mindset and, yeah, try something different. What would you have said to me if you had met me when I was in that situation? Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, it's easy to get stuck in a rut. And, and as humans, we are creatures of habit. There's two things really here, I think. So you mentioned first, you know, you spend all that time working there and, and swore about it, the sunk investment, really. but all experience is useful learning. So whatever you've done, wherever you've been, it all contributes to who you are now. So, and all of that is useful, uh, whichever way you would want to go next. So it'll all provide useful skills and experiences. If you are feeling stuck like that, you are stuck in a rut and you really, you really don't know what next to do or, or you won't even see any options anymore because you got so accustomed to where you are now. What I do as a coach is, is I try to get people out of that mental state, try to get you, you inspired again, try to, to get you seeing options again, um, which is actually based on neuroscience. And I could explain that um, in all depths, but probably that's, that's too much for, the, for this podcast, but how that works. But things you can do there is really try and reconnect with, with the things that really interest you. And it could be outside of work or whatever. And just try, try and imagine you know, what's, the ideal work week would look like for you or the ideal work day, the kind of people you'd be working with, the kind of tasks you would be doing throughout the day, how, how your schedule might look like, the kind of projects you might work on, the kind of impact you might want to make on the world. You know? So these kind of things, just to get yourself out of, out of the routine, out of the habits. And then out of that, all of a sudden, you might see new opportunities um, because there always are options. You know, that's the one thing, you know, even if you think there aren't any, because the trouble is we don't really see the world the way it is. We see the world the way we are in our heads. 
So the, the key is to change how you're feeling within your head. And out of that, will, you will suddenly start seeing new opportunities also in the world. So when I first started listening to podcasts, I, I did this because I was in a place where I was really missing inspiration, right? I was missing, I, I knew that I was unhappy where I was and I wanted to go somewhere else, but I wasn't surrounded by people that were wanting to go to the same place or had the same ambitions. At least it didn't feel like it. And while listening to the podcasts, I, I came across this idea that you are the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. Can you talk to me a little bit about uh, network, how we develop them, how we know if it's a good network to be in and how we might evolve a network. Yeah, that's an interesting idea that you're kind of the average of the people <laughs> you spend most time with. <laughs> I haven't actually heard that expression before, but um, it is really important to have good relationships. It, it, it's actually one of the human needs you know, that are embedded in, in the way our brains are wired as well. So, But of course, if like me, for example, um, you're an introvert, it comes a bit harder maybe trying to make new relationships. So you need to go slightly out, outside of your comfort zone. But you do need to reach out to people. And these days, at least, it's a lot easier to do that because you can do it online. You don't have to ring people up out of the blue or, or, or you don't have to go into a room full of people with 100 people and start chatting up strangers. No, it's not like you have to do that anymore. So there's loads of options to reach out to people now. And, and actually, the more you do that, the more you find that people are really happy to talk to you. And I think you will automatically reach out to people who are like-minded to yourself. And, and that's, that's probably the easiest way to start. And, and that's also how you find inspiration. Because if, if you mix with people who are kind of got like the same goals, the same interests as yourself, out of that, you will start building new relationships relatively easily. And then beyond that, then you can start reaching out to people who perhaps work in, in a completely different area, which can also provide inspiration in other ways. But also, as soon as we're allowed to start traveling again, I would I always recommend traveling. I, I just love traveling myself. That, that's one of my main sources of inspiration just in experiencing new cultural environments, uh, meeting completely different people to yourself, which can really open up your eyes to, to new things. So um, there's opportunities all around. You just need to get out of your comfort zone just, just for that first step, and then you'll see it becomes easier uh, every time you reach out to someone. I think a lot of the conversation so far has assumed that we understand that something is wrong, that we've recognized that hey, this isn't working for us and we need to do something to get to the next place, to, to get to where we want to be once we know where that is, of course. How do we know if something's wrong? Because it's really easy to tell yourself that story that I'm happy, you know, I have great colleagues, I have interesting projects. And I think what makes it really easy to tell ourselves that story is that's the same story that most other people are telling themselves. When we meet someone, we say, hey, how are you doing? They say, yeah, it works great. It's going fine. We're reluctant to admit if we have a problem. Do you have any sort of advice for us around that? How do we know that we've got a problem? Yeah, and that's not actually easy sometimes. I mean, it's not easy to know that, that you're in the wrong place if you think everything's fine. Or at least if you, when people ask you and you say, yeah, everything's fine. And, and you, you, especially when you're stuck in a rut, because when you're stuck in a rut, you, you, it's hard it's hard actually yeah, to think straight. And, and like I said earlier, you know, we are creatures of habit. And as soon as we are stuck in a rut, we're actually so used to it that we don't see anymore that it's not actually what we want to do. 
on, on top of that, you know, there may be elements of whose expectations are you working towards, actually? Are you doing what you want to do or are you doing what other people expect you to do or what you think other people want you to do or, or are you doing things to impress people are you doing it to like to keep your spouse happy to impress your parents or your friends or or peers or and all of that can be really really complex so there isn't really any clear-cut advice i can give you to um to to break through that but i, I guess try try to to take a deep breath i mean quite literally switch off your screen quiet them down a bit take a deep breath and just observe how you feel now which which feelings do you actually observe in your body because all all emotions you know they manifest themselves anywhere in in, in your body now when you're feeling excited you can feel it in your heart quite literally uh, when you're feeling ang- anxious you're feeling it slightly lower than that in in like the pit of your stomach and and all these emotions and you if you observe them you will be able like like to pinpoint them in your body so and that should give you some clues about you know if anything's not quite right i mean at the moment for example quite a lot of people have have, have like this anxiety you know running all the time with the coronavirus you know we've, we've had this now for a year and quite a lot of people i speak to and i i notice it with myself as well often as soon as i stop what i do i feel like this low level anxiety rumbling around my stomach and i can't really explain it why but it's but it is it is because of the environment we've been in for the past year so at the moment it might be even harder and to differentiate that for example from the fact that well maybe you're not in the right job or you're not doing the right thing but that's why it's really really complex so if you feel no, you're not quite right. You're not feeling right. You're not in the right place. But but you you really can't work it out. And you could do could do the things I mentioned earlier. Speak to people you trust. You know, see how they feeling. See how they see you. And that kind of thing. Or or you could speak to a professional. I really resonate with something that you said earlier, and that was like, what do your goals look like? What does your perfect day look like? I, I think that's the sentence that you used. And I personally use this all the time. If I'm doing a job, what would this look like if it was fun? What would this look like if it was easy? What does my perfect day look like? What does my perfect year look like? And then once I have that in my mind, I slowly but surely work out, well, how do I get there? What what tasks do I need to do today to get to where I want to be in the future? Of course, this is all really easy, easier said than done. And I, I, the big barrier for me with, with this kind of stuff is distractions. I am a world champion in distracting myself and finding all sorts of things that I've come to call for, for busy work, things, you know, these short-term emergencies. And I, once I get away from the short-term emergencies of what's happening on Twitter, what, what's happening on LinkedIn or other social media pro- profiles, how many downloads has the podcast got, you know, that kind of thing. Once I get away from all these, this short-term emergency thinking, I have a chance to find clarity. And for me, it involves leaving the cell phone at home and going for a walk, something like that. But I need to do it on a regular basis and I really need to build it into my, my, my routine, my weekly, my daily routine. So I design it in as much as possible. So I'm not relying on, on motivation or I'm not relying on me having the, the clarity to think, oh, I need to remember to do this. It's part of my routine. D- does that sound like, am I on the right track, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good thing to do. You know, to take uh, some time out, to go for a walk, switch off from all your screens. 
just tune in with yourself again. Tune in with the things that you enjoy doing outside of work. Uh, it's been even more important um, for for the last year, of course, with coronavirus. But but it's important at any time. You really need to do that because uh, otherwise you, you are at risk of just treading water. You're just running and running, and you're not really sure you know where you're running towards. It's quite right that you say you should kind of imagine what your ideal workday would look like because that, that's a really important element because you need to enjoy your work now not in the future if you constantly chase a future goal or dream or if you constantly chase now like a job title you know like the next job title you can actually overlook the really good things uh, which might be right in front of you, you know I, I was recently working with um with a person who was running a kind of incubator division in a large organization. And then he, he was kind of a young high flyer, you know, doing really well, has been promoted really rapidly. And he had his eyes already on his next job to become a senior executive. So we got talking and through that, it actually transpired that, that this guy actually is an entrepreneur at heart. So I said to him, so, so why are you aspiring to, to be a senior executive? Because the, the role he, he was aiming for didn't actually have any entrepreneurial elements to it. It was literally more like a corporate executive role. Whereas just the stuff he was doing now, you know, he's running an incubator was exactly like being an entrepreneur, except um, it, it was within a big organization. And he actually realized, as, gosh, yeah, because he, he'd just been promoted you know, so rapidly. He always was on onto the next thing that, that he didn't actually ever stop to ask himself, just what is it that I actually want to do? He was always running on the assumption you should always aim for more. So as a result of that conversation, he actually realized that actually, okay, I can, I can actually slow down a bit. I can actually enjoy the journey. And because I do enjoy what I do now, so why would I want to leave it? You know, it's a well-paid job. Everything's going well. I'm enjoying what I do. I'm enjoying the people I work with. So, so why on earth would I be in a hurry to leave that? That's interesting that you say that because that's the same story that I've that I've told myself. So I've been in situations before where I was unhappy at work, essentially. But the story I told myself is, it's a good job. It's a stable job. I have a good income. You know, I have a, a sought-after position at work. And I'm fitting in, right? All my neighbors around me, the people I care about, the people I respect, they're doing similar things. And very quickly, you, you, you want to be part of that culture, right? People like us do things like this. And if you're not doing things like this, then all of a sudden you can find yourself on the outside, not being part of that people like us. That's a scary place to be. Yeah, no, it is. And also you mentioned having a stable job. Now that, that's the other reason why people are hesitant to leave because it is, of course, important to have, to have income. But for some people to have a stable and secure job is more important than for others. And, and for some people, having a stable job can actually start overriding your other ambitions which can then be a problem but it really depends on the person now it, i mean it's not really any advice i can give that you should leave your stable job so you can do your dream or or you should not do your dream because then you lose your stability no that's not the decision i can make or for anybody that's that's a high, highly individual decision of course that you need to take yourself as a person but but quite a lot of people they're just on autopilot you know so without ever asking themselves these questions. And if you just move through life on autopilot, um, the risk is that you will reach retirement age and you look back on what you've done and you, you think all of a sudden, oh shit, 
what have I done with my life? You know, and that would be a great shame because you won't be able to transport yourself back 20 years and then do it all over again in a completely different way. So it's really important to, to enjoy what you do now, to really be in, in tune with that now. And if it's not right, you need to do something about that now. Otherwise, you may come to regret it later. But like I say, no, there's no right answer that I could advise the, in, in generic terms. No, it's, it's really something that you need to work out for yourself. I think the whole idea of security, of certainty, is really interesting. So before we're talking about we had that certainty of a job, we knew that we didn't like the job, we knew it wasn't right for us, but, but it was certain. And that inertia to get away from that certainty, to trade the certainty of something that's not working for the uncertainty of something that might work, I think that that's a fascinating thing that's built into our human brains. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean... Um... We've evolved to detect threats all around us, and that's just um, that's just the way we've been wired, just uh, as a, as part of evolution, which has always been helpful when we were out uh, twenty thousand years ago, you know, out in the wide plains roaming, and we had to keep an eye out for any hostile animals that might eat us any minute. But using that same threat alertness in our lives now isn't actually very helpful most of the time. We live reasonably secure lives, but if we allow you know, the, this threat alertness to override everything else, then, then we, we actually won't ever move on to anything more exciting, um, potentially. So in terms of, of options as well, it doesn't always have to be an, an either or. You know? I mean, you could also experiment on the side. If you have a dream of freelancing, but you are in a stable job, and you, you could start freelancing a bit in your own time, Obviously, you'd have to agree that with your employer as well, especially if, if, if there's any potential overlap between your freelancing and, and like your main job. And then um, your employer might be amenable to reducing your main job to three days a week or four days a week, so which would give you more time to freelance. So it wouldn't be a, a completely risky thing to do. So you'd still have the income from your main job. So yeah, I mean, the, you always have options and, and you may... Be surprised by by how open other people are to such options. If you speak to your employer, you know, they might be open to that. You know, they might even encourage it. You know, because if it enables you to learn new skills in your own time, it could also help you in your other job. You know? so, so yeah, you always have options. Thierry, I really want to thank you for your time. And it feels like I've had a bit of a therapy session, so I don't know if I have to pay for this after we stop the session. But Regardless, I've, I've really enjoyed the conversation. I've got a lot out of it personally. I hope that you have helped some people out there that are listening to this podcast. And on that note, where can the listeners go if they want to reach out to you? If, if something that you've said has resonated with them, where can they go to, to contact you, learn more? Yeah, sure. No, thanks. And by the way, yeah, you can have this session for free. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to know more about coaching and what I do, uh, you can go to my website, truehorizoncoaching.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at Thierry underscore G. And, um, or you can email me at uh, Thierry Gregorius at gmail.com. I will definitely put those in the show notes because no one will be able to spell your last name. Thank you so much <laughs> for your time. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Appreciate it, Daniel. I really enjoyed it too. Thank you very much. 
So I really hope that you enjoyed that conversation between myself and Thierry. I will put a link to his website and Twitter account, email address, that kind of thing in the show notes so you can you can find him there. And that's it for another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. It's much appreciated. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, I would love to hear from you. You can reach out to me on social media, find me on Twitter, Mapscaping or LinkedIn, or you can check out our website, mapscaping.com. There's a contact form there and yeah, that'd be great. I would love to hear from you. Okay, that's it for me. We'll talk again next week. Bye.